Hey, what is up, guys? Welcome back to the show. It's good to be with you guys again, as always. And today, I'm going to share with you guys a recap episode that my cousin Chad and I recorded on the road, actually, as we were headed back from Casper, Wyoming, and driving to the Denver airport to head home. And it's just a recap of our hunt. We just kind of tell the story of the hunt and how it went down. My cousin ended up, uh, we got him on his first ever Western big game animal, a nice mature antelope doe. And then I was fortunate enough to be able to take a really nice buck on our third full day of hunting. So it was a great time with family, a great trip. Hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode where I kind of walk you through how to get your points for Wyoming and enter the draw and pick your unit. So hopefully some of you out there are planning a speed goat hunt for next year. But in the meantime, I wanted to just share this recap with you about the hunt and how everything went down. So let's just jump right in. If you hear some background noise, that is, like I said, because we are literally rolling down the highway as I recorded it. So uh, don't mind that and just enjoy the story and we'll see you guys on the next week's episode. Enjoy. All right, so welcome to the Hunter's Quest podcast. I am taking a play out of Dan Staten, Milk Shape's book, and we are recording this episode while driving down the highway in Wyoming. We're headed from our hunt area in the Casper area of Wyoming down to the airport in Denver where me and my cousin Chad are heading out of town to go back home. Um, what's up, Chad? What's up, man? <laughs> ready, ready to uh, get home and eat some of this delicious antelope meat. That's what I'm ready to do. Yeah, so um, if you guys have listened to the podcast before, you may have heard um, an episode a while back where where me and my cousin Chad here did a little hunt in the mountains of Virginia, that whole debacle where I ended up shooting a hole through the floorboard of my truck. Oh. <laughs> that was our first public land hunt experience. And uh, I don't know, I'd say we came a pretty long, we've come a pretty long way since then, huh? <coughs> a far, far away. So, um, but anyway, yeah, if you do hear some background noise or whatever, the audio is not perfect, I do apologize, but I wanted to just recap the hunt while we are together and got some time rolling down the highway and, and just freshen our minds. So, so anyway, um, as you guys might know, we, um, we, as a group applied for antelope and, um, I won't say the unit, but, um, in a, we got our first choice unit in the Casper area, um, just with one point in the special draw. And we ended up getting a tag for myself, Chad got a tag, and Chad's dad um, got a tag. And uh, my dad also joined us on the trip, although he didn't have a tag. Uh, he just was kind of there for the, for the ride and just to enjoy the trip and hang out. And we got an Airbnb in Casper, and then we just day hunted. And um, so I don't know, what were you, Chad, what were you kind of expecting coming into the hunt were you thinking we would have success or what what was kind of your expectations coming in uh i had i had high hopes i really did um so between um your research and talking with you and the likelihood um of you know we got a fairly good unit we knew that coming into this um and also our dads uh being out there um a few days before us uh 
they had been sending us pictures of a yeah. lot of movement, um, antelope in the fields. So I was feeling pretty good coming into it, really was. Yeah, um, and so again, this is, you know, we're coming in from the East Coast. Um, we've never hunted in Wyoming. We've never hunted antelope. And, um, and so this was honestly my first trip kind of as a trip lead and kind of planning everything and going through the logistics and, you know, bringing our dads out here. It was real special because our dads grew up hunting together and they were like best friends growing up and, um, and they hunted public land out in Kentucky for whitetails forever in the seventies, never killed anything pretty much. And, but they're just like best friends and, and me and Chad have always been close. So just to get the four of us out here together, you know, on top of being able to go hunting was just, was cool just to all be able to spend time together. Really special. Yeah. So, so anyway, so we met up with the dads out here and, um, and then as soon as we landed, we landed about noon and headed over to the Airbnb and met up with the guys and grabbed all our stuff. And then, and then we headed right out to the unit to check it out. Straight to the field. Yeah. Yep. So what, what, uh, kind of recap that first afternoon for us or what, how we started off? Um, so <clears throat> our dads, you know, they had been out there obviously scouting, um, scoping around and, um, they were, you know, like you were saying, old school. So, uh, they had printed a piece of paper yeah. from the, from the computer. Had printed out a map of the unit and that's and, all they had. They didn't have Onyx or anything. They don't, they don't know how to use technology really. So. And, and so they were driving around, but they had been marking but things. But he done some pretty good research. He, done, so. he did really good research. They had the roads marked of what was passable and not passable because they had just had about um, 12 inches of snowfall. Yeah, they, um, that snow came through. Yeah, right before, before we got there. Yep, right before we got there. So whenever we arrived, there were still snow caps and um, snow in the fields. And um, our dads knew the roads that were passable, what wasn't, because they had been talking with some locals, um, almost got stuck a couple of times, I think, mm-hmm. themselves. And so um, anyways, they, uh, they got us back out to um, one of the first areas, one of the closest areas to where we were staying yeah. because it was in the evening and we just wanted to get some eyes out, yeah. uh, do some glassing. So, yeah. Um, and so we headed out there and we got into a spot where it was a kind of a good glassing spot from the car. And we didn't really know this going in, but, um, my uncle Kevin, Chad's dad, um, was having some pretty bad mobility issues just related to health and stuff that was kind of keeping him, you know, pretty close to the, to the trucks. Um, you know, so, so we were trying to find some glassing places that we could kind of glass from the road. And that's kind of what you do with antelope, especially when you're just kind of trying to get a feel for a new unit. So, but we went in there and pulled the, pulled the truck up to a, um, a high, a high point overlooking, um, a sage flat. And we saw antelope like pretty much right away. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that first evening we saw like five. Yeah. Something like that. And there was a buck in that group. And, um, so, you know, Chad always messes with me and says I get the call of the wild, which, I mean, it's true. I do. I, yeah. And so I saw those antelope. We grabbed our gear and we just kind of struck off. And um, I did actually kind of get in range of them, but they weren't exactly where I thought they'd be. And I popped up over one of these little uh, hills out here and I saw them kind of booger off. They, I think they saw me coming. Um, but we spent, I don't know, maybe an hour just kind of messing around out there, trying to see if we could 
get eyes on them and I found a mule deer shed and then, and then we headed back to the truck. So, um, I mean, right away we were, you know, getting after them on the first evening. Yeah. And kind of should have been something, uh, very foretelling about the, uh, about the trip, about how quick it just seems like they disappeared. Oh yeah. Because it looked like when you're glassing right out of the front of the car, it looked like they were, you know, three, 400 yards away, just right there. Right. Then as we began pursuing, you'd get over the next, what appeared to be like a little ridge, next little hill, and you wouldn't see anything. Mm -hmm. And then you'd go to the next one, still wouldn't see anything. And so I'm with you. I thought they had just bounded off and, you know, we had spooked them. Yeah. Yeah, they are, we learned in this trip, this is like one of the biggest takeaways is these things, they're not like whitetails where they have, you know, big, thick, wooded areas to go hide in. These things are masters of using the topography and the terrain features to disappear. Like they will, you'll look out over a big sage flat that to your eye looks pretty much flat, but somehow these things will find ways to just disappear behind little folds in the, in the ground and stuff. And they're, it's really amazing. Honestly. It really is. It so, really is. And we, you know, we also saw some other hunters out there. It wasn't anything crazy, but there were other hunters in the area and, and we did you know, have a fair amount of pressure on this hunt. But, um, so anyway, we, you know, we packed it in and we drove a little, around a little bit more that night. Um, but then headed back into town, you know, had, we went out for a nice dinner at a restaurant and, um, did some game planning for yeah, the next day. Did some strategizing. So, we decided the next day we were going to go up to the northern part of the unit and then hit this. There was very few, like, good... And the other thing is we're in rental vehicles with highway tires. So, I mean, our mobility for moving around the unit is pretty limited. But there's one road that kind of goes from the north all the way to the south end of the unit, right kind of through the middle of the unit. And so... We wanted to go check that out and it led to a walk-in area and some good public on the bottom of it and we were still kind of in the mode of we need to really put the miles down and really explore the unit so that was our game plan the next day was to hit that road and go down all the way and see just see what we could see yep yeah um got up there got up early the next morning got out and we hit it um we were uh we got up early enough to where we would be at kind of in the hunting area by the time the sun was sort of where you had shooting light that's right and so um we were pleased that the uh the roads were passable mm -hmm. because it was definitely a road our dads had not gone yeah. all the way down yet. yeah um so we were we were pleased to find that the roads were passable um and you know it seemed promising and uh, at that point in time, that's when um, Hunter and I were able to, through his hunting app, Onyx, Onyx uh, we were able to um, then give direction to our our dads uh, as to where the public land was right. and the private land. They had no idea where the boundaries were and stuff. And, on, and the Onyx app was crucial this whole time. If you're out here, I mean, there's there's no way of telling unless you have that app pretty much where you are. And so that was a crucial tool for us. Um, and we got down to the bottom of this road 
you know, we started seeing a bunch of trucks when the public started, of course, and we got out and looked and, um, and we saw, we saw a bunch of antelope in this sage flat in one of the walk-in areas that was next to some BLM. But we also saw a ton of hunters. A I mean, ton. It was, yeah, it was full. I mean, it was every 200 yards a truck. I mean, yeah. it just, it was really and As we were glassing, we were seeing lots of orange hats and, and there was antelope in there running around and, and we did get out and, and kind of try to stalk in there. There was very limited cover to stalk behind and then just a lot of hunters. So we went out a little ways and just decided, you know what, let's just pull out of this area and keep exploring and see if we can find anything better Yep, with a little less, less pressure. So that's what we did. We went um, and spent the rest of the day really just driving around the unit to see, just cover as much ground as possible and see what we can see. Um, but then that afternoon, we came back to that same area and there was a little bit less pressure. There was still some guys in there, but it was less pressure and we saw some antelope in there. And at this point, we didn't really have a whole lot of time to go anywhere else. And there's there was a few less guys in there. And so, you know, we found an area between two other trucks that was large enough where we felt like we had enough room that we could safely kind of slip in. By the, by the time our truck was parked, it was probably 300 yards between each of the vehicles yeah. along the road, yeah. which so, seemed to be about what it was roughly that morning yeah. between all the other hunters that were out there and established in the field. Yeah. So that seemed to kind of be, you know, just observing the accepted, you know, in right. this area, this is what it's going to look like. Right. So we felt like we had enough room, although there was other hunters in there, we felt like we had enough room. And, you know, again, we glassed and we saw orange out there, but we just said, hey, you know what? We just gotta throw our hat in the ring and just get out there and um, and see what happens. So that's what we did. So we hiked out there about I don't know what four or five hundred yards or something, not Probably. far not into far. this little sage flat, and we saw some antelope working around us and stuff. But again, there was no cover, and um, but Chad at that point said, "Hey, you know what? Let's just let's just get down. Let's hang tight. Let's not try to go after these antelope, and let's just see what happens." And uh, so that's what we did. And, um, so we're kind of laying down on our bellies and, uh, about that time we see some antelope about, I don't know, maybe 800 yards, um, back into this piece of, uh, public ground and, uh, and we see a hunter behind him. So what, what'd you, what'd you, uh, see at that point, Chad? Yeah. So, um, whenever we were just laying there, um, you know, like you said, it was, it, open not a good area to stalk but it was still rolling where you know things would appear and disappear especially out looking thousand yards out yeah um you know it just looked flat to the naked eye but there was definitely a lot of ups and downs uh so i just remember looking out glassing and that's whenever uh you know i was looking to the left and we spotted a herd fairly close to our left what mm -hmm. probably three four hundred yards yeah. um but on the other side of those was a group of hunters yeah we could see their orange hat so we were really kind of torn right then and there okay do we pick up and do we try to engage this herd 400 yards to our left even though there's hunters on the other side but we really have 
no way of stalking them because we had no cover. Yep. I, it would have been a very, very tough um, setup to get, you know, in there for a shot yeah. on those. So that's when we started waving at our dads. Yeah. So we, yeah, we saw a group of antelope that they worked, that same group of antelope worked all the way back to the road, which, you know, was kind of the ideal situation, hoping, hoping that Chad's dad would be able to get a shot. But for some reason, they didn't see him. So, um, but anyway, at that point, we looked back and we saw a group of, I think, four to six antelope and another hunter was behind them. And so, again, like we said, we, we've, we glassed multiple times groups of antelopes with antelope with hunters near them, but that looked like they were in range, but uh, they weren't shooting, they weren't stalking. So, you know, it just shows that these hunters, they didn't see the antelope. I mean, and it just goes to show you can be inside a hundred yards and not see them just because of the terrain feature. So, so we see this group of antelope and then past them, we see an orange hat. And at first we're kind of like, oh man, you know, we're screwed. But we realized this guy does not see these antelope and he's walking, he's pushing the antelope directly towards us. And they're slowly walking directly at us. And at that point, Chad gets on his uh, gets on his pack and he's he's getting ready to shoot and he's getting comfortable getting a good rest and now I'm kind of you know I'm trying to get my camera out and of course I didn't bring my tripod and anyway we're trying to get everything right and they go down a dip we lose them and then we're kind of like thinking you know they might pop right back up in range and the hunter doesn't still seem like he sees them so anyway, they popped back up and they had worked left so that the hunter was not in our uh, field of fire, basically. He was safely over to the right where we could make a safe shot. And um, and then these antelope started working right at us. So right what at happens us. at that point? The first, the first time I hit them with a the rangefinder, they were about 300 yards, probably. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, they just disappeared again, mm -hmm. came back up. And the next time um, that they appeared, we could definitely get a better look at them. Yeah. So it was um, definitely a big mature doe yeah. um, in there. We were keeping our eye on her. And so next time they popped up, they, I don't know, they were probably 220 and just still working right yeah. at us. So that's whenever I put, you know, the binos down and... Um, and the, ready to shoot. Yeah, and the uh, range finder, cause, and I just started watching through my scope because I knew it was just about go time. Yeah. And so, anyways, just kept watching, um, watching them. And then finally, uh, you know, the big lead doe, she came up and she got broadside, and we finally um, got her to, uh, to slow down and stop. And at that point in time, I went to shoot, and my gun went click, click. So a little bit of background on that, um, Hunter and I, uh, my grandfather and his great uncle um, was a very, very big outdoorsman. And so um, he passed a few years ago and he left me his uh, .30-06. And it's a classic Remington .30-06 um, pump action. And it was, uh, through the serial number, it was made in the 1960s. Um, so I brought it out for this uh, big first Western Which hunt we like had, this. we had together. Uh, I'd helped Chad. He bought a new scope, a new Vortex optic scope. We mounted it on there together. We got it set. We sighted it in together. So that was cool. Yep. Um, 
but still the classic rifle. Yeah. And so, um, and with that, uh, you know, whenever I was carrying it, belly crawling somewhere along the line, underneath of this uh, rifle is a magazine that feeds up and it has a clip release. And I guess somewhere in the excitement or the, of all the belly crawling, I might have accidentally released the magazine clip yeah. to where it didn't fall out, but it just wasn't set in there correctly. Yeah. And so that created all kinds of uh, issues at that point in time whenever I was getting ready to make the shot. Yeah. So he, he takes the first one, click, nothing. I'm like, what's going on? He, he shuts another one in. Again, click, nothing happens. At this point, I'm like, you know, we might have hit the bleep button a couple times in the video because I think we're both dropping curse words and stuff, to be honest with you. It was a high-pressure situation. I was, but I was very um, frustrated. Yeah, so then, you know, I'm like, dude, do you need me to shoot? Like, are you going to be able to... And so he starts messing with it again. He shucks another shell in. And this, I guess at this point, he had... I think he just had one shell in, right? Or one, yeah. uh, one round in the left in the magazine. He's like, no, I think I got it. Um, I'm I'm holding two cameras, one on him, a small camera, and then another camera on the antelope. And I think we got it on on film. And um, third time, he uh, he goes to pull out trigger, and boom! Yeah. And it was, it was very. That was probably the last opportunity because they were getting nervous. They were getting very, yeah, very nervous. And she was about 175 yards, yeah, and looking right at us, basically, yeah. And, um, and we were yelling at them to try to get them to stop too because they yeah, wouldn't stop walking. They wouldn't stop walking. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, thank the Lord, it uh, it worked out though, and I was able to uh, after all the hustle bustle, um, get one in there, still feel comfortable enough, take my time, eased off a shot, made a good shot, yep. um, and she probably went I don't know thirty. Yeah, 30, yards. 40 yards, and then she piled up. Yeah. And at that point, the hunter that was behind them turned out to be a really cool dude named Joe. Shout out, Joe, if you're listening. Um, he came up and he was excited. He was helping us look for the animal. And um, we found the animal and uh, Joe helped us. So <laughs> we didn't quarter it up there. We, we were close enough to the road and, and we wanted to bring the animal back to, to show the dads and get pictures and everything, which I'm glad we did. Absolutely. So Chad, we literally, I got video of it. We literally manhandled this whole doe up on Chad's shoulders <laughs> and he walked the like three, 400 yards with the whole animal on his shoulders. Um, I'm sure you probably see pictures of it, but uh, so he manhandles this thing all the way up there. And, and, you know, we had a little celebration moment with the dads and Chad's dad ended up walking out there and I uh, got some great pictures and got her cleaned up and quartered and we're high-fiving and enjoying the moment and um, got her in the truck, got the tag on her and uh, not necessarily in that order and and got out of there and, and uh, enjoying it. In the cleaning, doing the cleaning in the field, um, hunters well surpassed my expertise in, um, in, in taking care of game and the handling and the processing of the game yeah. Um, but a big takeaway for me was the importance of the game bags mm -hmm. um, and preserving that meat because as big of a man as I thought I was, I couldn't have made it another hundred yards with that uh, oh, deer yeah. or excuse me, the antelope like yeah. that to get it up there. Um, and so it was time I had to quarter it up. Yeah. And so in doing that, um, Hunter had advised me and recommended I get some game bags. I was able to do that, protect the meat as best I could while out in the field. 
and uh, boy, it paid off later. And yeah. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, this is his first ever Western big game animal. Um, we were stoked. Uh, you know, big, big, mature old doe. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just a just a trophy being this first Western big game animal, and um, we got it, we got it butchered and quartered up, and in those game bags. That was one of the gear items I told these guys to definitely get before this trip was get some game bags. They did, so kudos to that. And then we got it in, and um, and we we kind of tried to hunt a little bit on the way out, but we just decided, you know what? Let's let's go back. Let's take care of this meat. Let's uh, kind of revel in the enjoyment of the moment let's just enjoy the success for the night and let's head back so that's what we did and we headed back and got the meat in the fridge at the airbnb and um and then also the next day we knew we had some weather coming in so we went out for another nice nice meal uh in town there in casper and we're um you know we were planning on this big winter weather storm to roll in the next day um but we decided you know let's Let's get out there in the morning before the weather comes. It was supposed to start getting nasty around nine or 10, maybe 11. And, um, but we decided let's go out there and hunt. So, um, next morning woke up, went out to our unit, to a sage flat that we had identified the first night as a good area. And we had a plan to do about a two and a half mile track, um, to go th to kind of walk through and ease through this area and hunt and then our dads were gonna meet us back at the road. Um, and so we started hunting through there. The wind was already starting. About halfway in, it started raining and snowing and blowing pretty hard. And at that point, we knew that the roads were gonna get bad real quick. And again, we were just in highway tires on these rental vehicles. So at that point, we are like, all right, we need to kind of start booking it back to the to meet up with our dads and um so we kind of deviated from the original track to make a little bit of a shortcut to get back because it was starting to get really nasty spitting snow and rain and unbeknownst to us when we did that it it took us through a couple of really deep washout gullies i'm talking 30 feet of like vertical down and vertical up um, which wouldn't have been a huge deal but when they're soaking wet it was pretty difficult to get down and up. So that, that caused us to be about 15 minutes late getting back to the truck. And the place that we had identified as our rendezvous point, we didn't know, but the roads there were markedly worse than the main road we'd started on. So our dads are over there and um, we get there about 15 minutes late and they're stressing, dude. Very much so. They were worried about us and you know, they're, my dad's, very safety conscious guy and rightfully so and um, we weren't in any real danger but it would have been an uncomfortable situation to get stuck out there for the night with this with this forecasted up to eight inches of snow coming so when we got back they were pretty nervous they were nervous but yeah. it's like you said there were um there were antelope camps there were hunting camps yeah. around us i mean we, we could have walked back to the highway we absolutely could have i mean it, yeah. we weren't we weren't miles in Right. Um, to where we were in real, like, life-threatening danger right. or anything, so. It could have been an uncomfortable, bad night, worst-case scenario, but we were not really in danger, but still the dads were stressing it a little bit. And, um, but we, we took our time. We were sliding around a little bit, for sure, on those roads. It was a little stressful for a minute, 
but we were able to get out of there and then the road turned back into gravel and we were good and then and then we headed back and we had a had a nice little nice little afternoon it was, it was actually really nice we were kind of worried about losing hunting time to the snowstorm but it actually worked out really well because we were able to get back you know clean up all our muddy wet gear you know take showers um dry them out dry them out and then start processing yeah chad's Dope. dad put on a nice pot of chili homemade chili he made and uh you know we're from the east coast we don't get a whole lot of snow so it was kind of nice to just enjoy the little snow we're in a nice airbnb and then we were able to go to walmart get butcher paper um and really take care of the meat well and cut it up nicely process it get it in the freezer so it was nice to have a little day to kind of kind of hang out just process our meat uh eat some chili you know enjoy the snowstorm that's right. And then that evening, um, you know, that chili was lunchtime. Um, that evening we ended up grilling some steaks. Yeah. And that's whenever, because we were in the process of processing uh, my antelope, that's whenever we took some of that backstrap. Yep. Yeah, so I cut a nice piece of backstrap off, trimmed the silver skin off real nice, and, um, and just seasoned it up. You know, just salt and pepper, basic. Threw it on with the steaks and um, cooked it you know, on the rare side of medium rare. And, um, and I think everybody was impressed. Yeah. With how good I, it I was incredibly impressed. Yeah. Um, my dad, I know he was, he, he, he was even talking about the next day. I think the next time we were eating, he was like, mm, some <laughs> of that antelope right now. Yeah. It tasted just like a filet mignon. It was like, delicious. To me. So, um, so that was cool that, you know, they were able to see that it was, it was good meat and, um, we enjoyed it. Like I said, had a good night. And then, we woke up the next morning and uh, we knew we'd probably have some weather delay. So we didn't we didn't wake up super early and try to bust out there. I think we kind of took our time. Oh, Chad made us a nice bacon and egg breakfast, which was actually came in crucial later in the day. Yeah, it really did. Um, and honestly, I was kind of expecting with the snow melt that, and with the road situation, I was expecting we were gonna lose pretty much that whole day. I was too. Yeah. I thought, that morning or that late morning when we got out there, I thought we'd be back by lunchtime yeah. because we didn't pack any lunches or anything. I thought, yeah. okay, we're gonna go out, recon, how bad are the roads, you know, that clay, yep. it just gets so bad so quick, um, you know, working from the night previous night's experience yep. or afternoon's experience, then, you know, but to our surprise, we got out there that yep. morning and boy, the roads, yeah, they, they, they dried quick. They dried real quick because the snow came out. And while we were eating breakfast, I got on my Onyx and I started just really, really planning. Um, and just to go back a little bit, I that morning I was starting to have one of those anxiety moments like, oh man, what are we doing? Like, the snowstorm, I don't know if we're going to be able to fill any more tags. Um, you know, I was a little bit discouraged by the amount of pressure and the lack of areas we've been able to get to with our vehicles so i was starting to stress it a little bit and i had another one of those moments like i talked about in the alaska trip where i was like i slowed down i got my quiet time spent some time with the lord you know prayed um did a little meditation and just and just kind of reset like hey this is a fun trip i'm just gonna enjoy myself i'm gonna enjoy god i'm gonna enjoy the family you know and just not stress it and just and that's that's one of the biggest takeaways for me this whole year with Western hunting is when that's when stuff starts to start, starts to go right. When you're stressing and freaking out, 
stuff doesn't really happen. When you just slow down, enjoy the experience, get some time with God, and just enjoy it, you know, like it says, delight in Him, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And so that's that's what we did, and we just started having fun with it. And so, but anyway, over breakfast, I decided I needed to identify some new areas because we we found some good areas with antelope, but they were also pretty heavy pressure. And I didn't want to just keep going back to the same areas, trying to do the same thing. So I got on my Onyx and I started studying in it because I didn't really honestly have much time to e-scout before this trip. So I hadn't really done much e-scouting. But I got on there, I found probably eight to 10 areas that looked good to me just from Onyx. And I said, we're just gonna head up north on the north uh, northeast side of the unit and just start checking each one of these spots and just get out, see how the roads are, glass it. And so that's what we did. We just started going up and we found out the roads weren't too bad. And um, we got to about the third or fourth spot that I had picked out and shout out to my dad, kudos. Like these Western hunts are always a team effort, but we got up here and we had glassed this area pretty well. We, we glassed this area pretty well and um, didn't see anything. And, and me and Chad were in the lead, lead vehicle and we were about to start heading off. And another good tip, we brought some two-way radios, which we did check is legal in Wyoming. But each, each vehicle had um, we had a truck and they had a truck and we were able to radio one another. So we're kind of pulling out of this area and my dad radios, hey, we got antelope, we got antelope up on the, the ridge to our left. So I, I, I'd stop, I'd jump out, I'd pull out my glass and I see about, I don't know, five to seven antelope up there and I see one buck. But they, then they, they were skylined and they just slipped on the other side of the, the skyline. So at that point, I threw Chad the camera, I grabbed my hunting stuff real fast, and we just started booking up this hill. Hold it. Yeah, what were you thinking at that point? I was thinking, well, I hope I've got everything. <laughs> I don't think I did have everything, yeah. but I had enough um, once once we were up there, I, yeah. I had enough to make it. And it happened fast, like we saw these things, and it was just like go time, it was just like go. So, we get up there, and I, you'll, you know, I'll have to see what I can do with the footage because, you know, again, Chad is a great hunting buddy and a hunting partner. He's not a professional videographer, so, and it's on me. I forgot to change one of the exposure settings on the camera, so the footage is a little overexposed. Well, it's a lot overexposed, but anyway, we, I'd already kind of decided, like, yes, I want to make a film of this hunt, but I also just want to enjoy this hunt because I just got him back from New Mexico where I was only filming... I wanted to fill a tag. I wanted to have fun with my family and enjoy the hunt. I didn't want to stress too hard about the film. So I'm going to do my best with it. And I think it's going to turn out to be cool. But um, anyway, it's on me. And anyway, through him, the camera, we bombed up this thing uh, about a mile. Um, it was gently sloping. I think it was like a 400 foot incline. Nothing, nothing major. But I got up there. And as soon as I get up to the top of this thing, I see a guy walking back to a side by side just 50 yards in front of me where the antelope were they get in the side by side and and roll off and i just in my mind i'm like oh man we're done like classic public land heartbreaker bomb up this thing looking for these antelope and all we see is two guys on the side by side i thought we were done yeah what were you it, thinking i thought so too as a matter of fact i was hanging behind trying my best to film and 
Yeah. Again, I apologize. No, it's all good, dude. This cameraman, I'll acknowledge that on the front. Might be a decent shot, but not a good camera. <laughs> no, he's got good camera instincts. He just, I mean, he doesn't have professional videography knowledge. So, I mean, that's not his fault at all. Yeah. My fault. I should have changed the camera. But we get up there, and I was behind trying to film. Um, and then I'm with you. When I saw the side by side, I slowed down even more. Yeah. Kind of stopped filming a little bit because, um, you know, didn't, yeah. didn't think it was going to happen. And I mean, I was putting my bipod in. I was thinking we could crest this thing and they're standing right there. Right. I was ready to go. I even told him, I was like, roll, man, this could happen fast. fast. And we get up there, and it's like side by side and two hunters. And I'm, I remember I took my hat and kind of, kind of like you know, slammed it—not slammed it on the ground, but kind of whipped it and just kind of in frustration. And I thought we were done. So, yeah. Um, but we can. So yeah. They they went off, you know, yep. looking up the hillside. They went off, um, you know, down the track um, and went to the right, and then we went up to the fence. Um, we made it up the top, went up to the fence and kind of regrouped. Yeah. And that's whenever so, uh, you were making, trying to make a decision of, okay, well, what do we do here? Did they really spook them? Or are we in a situation like we've been seeing and when we're looking through the fields or glass, did the antelope even know they were up? I mean, did they even see them? Yeah, did the hunters they, see them? Or the antelope somewhere else? Yeah. Like, you know, just riding this out thinking, okay, well, they're just going to pass the power safe. Yeah. So from the car, from the trucks, the spot we were standing in looked like the skyline of the, of the hill. However, it went another mile or so up and then there was a cliff, basically a sheer drop off. So I thought, but I didn't know there was a cliff there. So I thought those guys had probably pushed those antelope on the other side of this hill. So, so Chad, Chad stuck there where he was at. And I said, man, I got to go check this next hill, this next ridge line. So that's what I did. I went up there on the top. Lo and behold, when I got up there, it was literally a 400 foot, just sheer drop off cliff. So I was like, well, antelope definitely didn't go this way. I know that, uh, which was good. And at that point I called my dad and, uh, he's like, Oh man, we see the antelope still. Cause they were back in the trucks. So at that point I knew they were kind of back in the same basic area. And I sprinted, I, I seriously ran like with all my gear and my rifle, I ran for about a mile back to Chad and I came up all huffing and puffing. And, and so when we were talking, one of the things we were talking about doing is, okay, is there a chance they're going to circle back? Yes. You know, and, and so we decided, all right, just like we did whenever I got my dope, let's sit here. Let's just be patient. Yeah. Let's kind of sit here. Let's, you know, just, all right, yeah. slow down, gather ourselves. And whenever you came bombing back down, you said, hey, I think they're still up here somewhere. Yeah. Because um, I got all the way to the top. There's this, this fault. They're not back there. Yeah. And dad said that, you know, he, he thinks we're still up here somewhere. So that's whenever we regrouped yeah. and put together a new plan. Yeah. So, so we got confirmation from my dad back of the trucks that they were in the area. There was some miscommunication, but we knew they were still in the area somewhere. And we didn't know if they were 50 yards in front of us. We just couldn't see them. Like these things are Houdini out there, man. They really are. And, um, so we made the plan of, we were going to sit there about five minutes and just wait and see what happens. And then we were going to sneak 
like if we were looking down the hill back at the trucks, we were gonna sneak to our left and make a big kind of circle pincher move and just work back to the trucks and see if we could see them. We thought we, they might be in that area somewhere. So, gave it about five minutes and then we started sticking to the plan that we originally made and started working to our left to circle around and go down the hill back to the trucks. So we're walking along and I see this really cool fence post with a cool view in the back. I'm like, hey, this would be a cool time to uh, take a really cool artsy fartsy picture of my rifle, maybe send it to Weatherby or something. And uh, so I'm, I'm taking the, the sling off my rifle and not paying attention at all, which was stupid. Um, and all of a sudden I hear Chad go, cuz. And I look up and there's a doe, mm, 75 yards, staring at me. Yeah, every bit of it. Her head has just peeked over the ridge and she is walking towards us. Walking straight towards us. And then we froze. Yeah. And, and she saw us too. Yeah. But when like, you reacted quick, when I said, because you dropped down to a knee. Yep. And we, we both did, but we were, we were there. And so I think it was that moment where we saw her and she saw us at the yeah. same time, but she wasn't certain. Right. Um, but she was definitely a little nervous. Yeah. She was, so we, we had that, we were both locked onto each other. And I'd seen these things earlier in the week. When they see you, they'll stare at you for a long time. It's not like a white tail where if you hold still for like three or four minutes, they'll put their head back down. I mean, they can just stand there for a long time. So, so I, I thought we might be busted, but I, we only saw that one doe. And then, uh, like I said, I was on one knee and she eventually got nervous enough where she took about three or four bounces down the hill. And at that point I got a little lower and then I look just over the top of this little, I don't know what you call it, this little terrain feature, just over the top of this little edge, this little lip or whatever. And then I see this buck stick his head just over the top of the hill where I could just see his head and he was looking to see what that doe had gotten nervous about. He was checking it out. And that's when I was like, oh man. So, but I was able, he didn't really see us because we were so low. All he could probably see was maybe the tops of our heads. At that point, I really slowly eased down to where I was out of his line of vision. And I was like, oh, it's go time. And I started ripping off my pack and putting my bipod in. What are you gonna say oh, Yeah, I didn't even see them. Yeah. So that's the wild thing. You were probably 15, 20 feet in front of me. I didn't even know there was a buck on there yeah. or like up there. But from my, where I was, I still could not even slip down to my belly yet because the does, they still had eyes where they, they could, could see, see you. me. Yeah. And so finally, whenever you were already on your belly crawling and then once they disappeared and I was clear, that's whenever I slid down yeah. my belly and I started trying to follow follow behind you. Yeah. So I, I lowered myself down out of his eyesight. Like I said, I ripped off my pack. I uh, got my rifle ready. I put my bipod in, Spartan Precision Bipod. And I did actually, right before the trip, I sprung for the more expensive, the Pro Tack Hunt one, which has the extendable uh, legs on it, which actually saved me because I had no time to get my pack and shoot off pack. And because of the way the brush was, I needed that extra elevation. So I had that thing extended all the way out. Um, and then, And then I started belly crawling 
uh, in through the mud to try to get a shot on this thing. And so, yeah, I belly crawled up maybe 15 yards or something, got my rifle, saw him again. He was looking right at me, but all I could see was his head. And then to be honest, I don't exactly remember, but I just, I guess I made the split decision that the situation was, I was able to somehow I belly crawled about five more yards to my right and was able to get a clear view of his vitals. And I didn't have time to range it, nothing. I just eyeballed it and I figured, I, I estimated he was 200 yards. Turns out he was 170, so pretty close. Um, but yeah, I, I, he was standing there. They were starting to get a little nervous. Eyeballed it, estimated at 200, put that second hash mark right on the moneymaker and popped it off. And I didn't even know I hit it. The thing dropped so fast. By the time I'd recovered from the recoil and got my scope back on where he was, I couldn't see anything. And then I stood up and racked another shell in and I started looking through my scope. But I didn't see anything. So I was like, and then finally I saw, I saw some uh, white. And at that point I was just like, I was like, buck down, buddy. He's down. I was so excited and looked back at Chad and we were just so high-fiving. And that was cool. It was great. It was absolutely great. I, <laughs> I, I was just as excited when you got yours as when I got mine. Yeah, I, I couldn't mean, believe it. Yeah, I know. It was great. Um, it was great. So exciting, too, because we had made plans the next morning to drive up to Sheridan to go visit the Weatherby facility, and I was going to uh, meet up with Adam Weatherby, just to get some face-to-face -face time with him and just and just meet him in person. And so I was already thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably lose some hunting time going up there to Sheridan, but it's worth it to meet up with Adam and everything. But I was just really praying that the Lord would bless us that day so I could fill my tag and still be able to go see Adam and Sheridan. So I just couldn't believe it, man. I, I saw that buck down and, um, I didn't look at him too hard when I was, you know, in the zone trying to make the shot. And to be honest, I haven't seen a whole lot of antelope. I mean, this was the first buck that we saw in range of us. It was. I mean, this, so going back, I mean, Chad's doe, that was the first antelope we had in range of us. And this one was the first buck we had in range of us. But um, I didn't care, man. I was just like, I would have been happy even with the doe, but, um, and all I wanted was like a nice representative you know, buck if possible. But man, I was just so excited when, when that thing was down on the ground, dude. Oh, yeah. And to share with my cousin. Uh, be, being up there, that that hillside, I I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You know, that was that that will be one of the most memorable moments probably in my life. It was just exciting. It was, yeah, it was so exciting. And to, yeah, like I said, be able to share it with a family member and oh man, it was really cool. So we were high fiving and stoked and called called the dads and said buck down and oh man they they freaked out they were oh, so yeah, excited they, too yeah they did yeah my dad has always i mean can't tell you how many times he how many hours he spent watching you know uh hunting shows and antelope and you know to to for him to know that whenever we got that thing down to the hillside he was gonna be able to put his hands on there and, and touch it and see it firsthand it's just yeah yeah very exciting. And they were, I mean, they were, I think they were really proud of us just putting this whole thing together and, um, and going out there, like I said, doing it ourselves, you know, doing the research ourselves, the tag process, you know, scouting, finding the antelope, 
you know, getting Chad's rifle and ready and shooting condition, just every part of the process, just doing it together and doing it ourselves and going out here to a new state, you know, DIY, public land, you know, throwing our hat in the ring with all the other public land hunters and, and getting it done. It was just um, really validating feeling. It felt like a real accomplishment, you know. And I think the old men, I think the dads were, were proud of us for, for getting it done. And I don't know if they really expected us to fill tags or not, but. <laughs> I, I don't know if they did either. Yeah. But I was confident the whole time. I, I, I thought we were. Yeah, I, I did. I felt, I felt like if we hunted hard, covered lots of ground, we're not afraid to hike, we're not afraid to put some work in. I thought we had a really good, and that's what I told these guys. I said, if we're, if we're just not afraid to apply a little boot leather, cover lots of ground, look at lots of terrain, I think we got a really good shot at filling some tags. And and we did, and, and you know, to be honest, I, I would, any buck I saw that morning in that situation, because of the time and, and just what was going on, I would have, I would have killed any legal buck. But we got up there and he's actually a really, really nice buck. He's got really good mass, really good hooks on him. Um, he's pretty tall. Um, he's got one of his cutters is broken off, so he's been fighting. Uh, a lot of character, just a really, really pretty buck. Even some of the local guys we talked to said, oh yeah, he's a solid buck, you know? The color, I mean, he's just got a beautiful coat. Yeah, um, beautiful just, animal. Absolutely, just, yeah. So, so we got up to him and we took our time. We took pictures. We just enjoying the moment. I, I really wanted to take the whole animal down to show the dads, but it just was not feasible to drag that whole animal down there. And my wife wants to get the thing shoulder mounted for the house. So it would have, um, if you've ever hunted antelope, you know, their hair falls out incredibly easily, easily. So it would have probably ruined the cape if we had dragged it down there and, and it just would have been a terrible drag. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> your buck was quite a bit bigger than my doe. Yeah. And so even though I was able to throw it up on my shoulders and walk right. a few hundred yards. And that was a couple hundred yards. This was closer to a mile. Absolutely. And we had to kind of cross over a little ravine. So it just wasn't feasible. So we took our time, took our pictures and enjoyed the moment. Just kind of enjoyed it. Thank the Lord. And, um, and while we were up there, um, and we were processing or, you know, working on your antelope, um, here a few shots oh, coming out. Yeah. And so, um, my dad, uh, being down there, cause we had told him, we had said, Hey, you know, you all be all on, on the lookout. We, you know, this buck had two does with him and we had relayed we think that they're, you know, working this pattern and they might swing back yep. around by you. And so they were on the lookout. And uh, so, you know, I mean, my dad, he, uh, as Hunter was saying, he had um, one of his legs, he, he's either pulled a muscle or, or something in it. And so anyways, um, on that wet clay, just he, it just wasn't a good idea for him to push too far off the road. Yeah. So he was easing up down the road um, and anyways, he, uh, sure enough spotted those does and, um, but he had gone out to look for him and made the mistake of leaving his rifle at the truck and he just wanted to go glass and he saw him. He said 70 yards, I think. Yep. Um, but he didn't have his rifle with him. Unfortunately, at that point he booked it back to the truck, 
grabbed his rifle and came back and they were about they had seen him so they bounded out to about 200 yards at this point and um he didn't have a tripod or a shooting stick or anything and was not able to get prone because of the way that the brush was in that area it was too tall to get a shot to get prone so he did he did try to make a, a standing freehand shot but as you guys probably know a 200 yards standing freehand shot is at least for me pretty much impossible uh so needless to say he, he didn't get him but he did get an opportunity you know he, he left his rifle back at the truck which is you know a mistake we've all made but um just the fact that he had an opportunity to get one we could have you know we could have filled three out of three tags absolutely you know um absolutely which is, he was excited about it oh, i think he was a little annoyed that he forgot his rifle but he he is but it's like he was saying um and like i'm saying you know the fact that uh, I'm originally from Kentucky. Um, don't know anything about Western big game hunting. Um, my dad still lives in Kentucky. Um, so the fact that me and my dad came out here the first time antelope hunting, um, and you know, in the group we had three tags, and we had opportunity to kill three antelope, yeah. and we got two uh, in two days. Two really, in two days. I'll I'll take it. That that. Yeah. It's pretty fantastic and, and for sure to you, Hunter, um, for getting us out there and getting us on the on yeah, the man. game and giving us the opportunity and you know, I, I just I feel really blessed. I'm I'm super excited about my doe. Yeah. Um, and I'm super excited I'm all about, you know, eating the game. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad to go back with not only just she's a trophy to me, but glad to go back with the memories and yeah have something to talk about for years yeah going back with coolers full of meat a couple of skulls and memories and um yeah it just feels like an accomplishment um and it's something that you guys you know you guys can do like if i like i said from the beginning of this podcast i am not a professional hunter i'm you know pretty new to western hunting um but if you put in the work put in the effort uh stay you know stay tough and keep at it be persistent you can do it so we did it if i did it you can do it um yeah be able to get there like i said help you know my cousin's a great outdoorsman but to be able to help him uh, on his first western hunt too um getting his rifle ready to go and and coming out here and doing it together and just it was awesome so i highly encourage you guys to try it and um so Anyway, we got we got the, the buck quartered up and loaded up in my pack and packed him out. You know, had the celebratory pictures with the dads and um, you know a couple of things we learned. I would say is you know a don't be you know in any public land hunt situation you just gotta stay tough and don't get discouraged when you see other hunters. You know, you want to do everything you can to to be safe and not ruin anybody's hunt. But at the same time, like. You can't just every time you see an orange hat anywhere near you just give up. You you know, both of these antelope we killed were in areas that other hunters were in the area. Again, not within a unsafe range, but there were other hunters in the area. And but we just kind of like I said, threw our hat in the ring and said, it was, "We got to give it a shot." So don't let that discourage you. Um, you know, another thing is that like we said before, these things can disappear in what seems like a flat plane, <laughs> just disappear. So know that 
and when you're moving through an area, know that you could be within 50 yards or 100 yards of antelope and not know it. So move through areas carefully and, um, you know, and just be aware of that. And the other thing we, we notice is that these things, it, it appears to be that if they spook from an area, a lot of times there's a good chance they will they make a wide, big circle and circle right back into that area that they want to be in. And that's pretty much exactly what these antelope did. They, we were in their area. There's other hunters, I think, ran them off. We stayed in there. We made a good plan based on what we knew, and they did exactly what they thought. They circled right back towards us. So, um, but anyway, once we got back, um, you know, that's when all the logistics started. We, we put the, uh, we got the meat in the fridge overnight. Um, and we we'll see, we went up for another celebratory dinner that night. We did. Got some burgers. Yeah, got some burgers. Had a little uh, celebration, relived the moments of the day. Yeah. Got the, got the real story because we were up on that hillside. Oh, the real story from his dad, yeah. From my dad, yeah. <laughs> and so anyways, um, just good fellowship, good time together. Yeah. And um, just enjoying God's country, man. That's just for that's sure. For sure. So that's that's most of the story i mean today we we decided since we um we tagged out that and the the dads were okay, or actually they suggested it um especially me i've been on the road a lot this year we decided we would take the opportunity to head back a day early just have an extra day with the families before heading back into work and stuff so so we uh you know yesterday Again, I processed my antelope and we um, got it in the freezer, got all the stuff clean and started getting packed up. And then today, like I said, we're heading down the road to uh, Denver airport and um, heading back to the families. So I don't know, any uh, closing thoughts or comments or anything? Yeah, just ready to uh, get back home, enjoy, enjoy time with, uh, with the family and just take time to look back on the pictures and everything yep. and, and reflect on um, on the trip be able to uh, share the story with others that haven't heard it yet yeah so it's it's uh it's definitely going to go down as one of my more memorable hunting trips yeah so um i don't know a couple pieces of gear that stand out that are really useful on strip like i said without that spartan precision bipod um the, i think it's the pro tack hunt model I wouldn't have made that kill shot just to be completely honest. So that was a crucial piece of gear. We relied heavily on Onyx the entire time. You know, I think if you're a Western hunter, you know, that's a pretty crucial, uh, thing to have. Um, you know, black rifle coffee had sent me out some coffee before we left to try out. And that kind of kept us fueled, uh, the whole time. And, uh, also I'm rocking these, uh, ancient, um, sneak moccasins. Um, I don't know if it's, uh, if you've seen them before, but on Instagram, you can search a N X Y N T ancient. And they're these, uh, I'm wearing these buckskin, they're like moccasins and they're just specifically designed for sneaking in on antelope and whatever, especially for archery, but, um, really good product. Definitely check them out. Um, let's see my XO pack performed well, packing the meat out. Um, yeah, definitely always want to have a, a solid pair of gators. Um, that was helpful in the snow and the mud. 
Um, I don't know, any other gear pieces that stuck out to you? Just we both had the Vortex binos that were, I mean, you gotta have good glass out here in this country. Gators. I, did, I didn't have them on when that snow started, yeah. and yeah. I was soaked. Yeah, yeah. Um, our golly game bags are awesome game bags. Kept my meat nice and clean, and I used my Argali knife to cut that thing up. So definitely check out argaliaoutdoors.com as well. Um, I was shooting hammer bullets, 124 grain copper mono. A bullet out of my Weatherby backcountry in 6.5 Creedmoor with uh, I'm rocking right now a Swarovski Z5 5-25 uh, scope, which is a great scope. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to do another, I'll probably do another episode at the end of the season, just kind of do a final like full season recap. Not telling all the stories, but there's a bunch of things that I learned this year about gear, about filming, about everything from supplements to sleep systems to um, to tactics, um, and I'm gonna recap all that in an upcoming episode. So definitely uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and I just hope you guys will, um, you know be inspired to to go out grab a family member whether you're heading across the country or just across the county or across your state just get out there make some memories with uh with your cousin or your best friend or your wife or kid whoever it is and um because that's what life's all about man it, you know that's what life's all about just making memories and hanging out and having fun so enjoy the enjoy the god's creation enjoy your health and get out there so Anyway, we'll close it up here, but thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks again, cuz. Yeah, man. It's great being with you.